You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hi guys, you're very welcome along to episode 65 of the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. And it's me, DJ, and... It's me, Colm. No surprises, DJ, that I'm back here to join you again this week, I suppose. Yeah, well, Tom Brady and a few other people were busy this week, so that would have Colm back on the show. Great having you on the show again, and a lot of excitement on today's show. Yeah, DJ, talking about having people on today's show, uh, we'll be joined coming up by the new host of NFL AM, and that is Rhett Lewis. Looking forward to having him on the show and talking some topics from around the NFL, so that should be fun coming up in the OTI Red Zone. And DJ, today's a kind of special day on the show. We're going to have two OTI Red Zones, with the first one being Rhett, as I mentioned, and then the second one being... Coach George O'Leary from UCF, the University of Central Florida, and they're coming over to play in the Crow Park Classic this upcoming August. We'll be talking to him about that and all the other stuff going on, including Blake Bartles, who played for him last season and now with the Jacksonville Jaguars, so looking forward to taking that to you later in the show. To start the show, as always, a bit of housekeeping. Make sure you check out our friends over at lastwordonsport.com. They cover all sports. Their website, of course, as I mentioned, there is lastwordonsport.com. Great site, great writers, covering a wide range of sports. And check out their Twitter handle at lastwordonsport. DJ, we're starting up a new OTI Fantasy League. We had one last year. It's continuing this year, but there's been more interest. So we're starting up another one. A lot of people interested over the past few weeks. We've been tweeting it out. We have forgot to mention it on the show each week, but this week we will mention it on the show. If you're interested in playing in the Overtime Ireland Fantasy League, this one will be a redraft league. We had the Dynasty League a few weeks back, which will be continuing for the next couple of years. But this will be a redraft league, so you'll be picking from blank all new players taking your favourites from around the National Football League. And if you're interested, get in touch with us on Twitter. It's at Overtime Ireland. Or if you want to send us an email, if you're not on Twitter for some reason, send us an email at overtimeireland at gmail.com. Just let us know you're interested and we'll be naming the lucky entrants who do make it into the league. There's going to be a draw out of a hat. We have more than the required number. But the lucky entrants will be selected before next week's show. So make sure you get in touch with us before next Tuesday. DJ, let's give a plug to our site at OvertimeIreland.com. Trying to get it upgraded at the minute, trying to get it a little more interactive for the users. So, a little upgrading going on at Overtime Ireland here, and hopefully before the start of the new season, we'll have that all unveiled for the listeners and some new tweaks to the site. So, looking forward to getting that done. It's something we've been planning to do for quite some time, but hoping to get it done now in the next few weeks. So, look forward to sharing that with you. But DJ, we've gone on there, got the housekeeping done out of the way as always at the start of the show, so let's get straight into the first OTI Red Zone off today's show, and that is Rhett Lewis of NFL AM. The OTI Red Zone, presented by OvertimeIreland.com. Joining me now on the Overtime Ireland Football Podcast is the host of the most watched football show in the morning, it's Rhett Lewis of NFL Network's NFL AM, and you can watch him live each Monday to Friday, 6am to 10am Eastern Time on the NFL Network, and... Rhett, you've just started up with the show, but thanks a lot for joining us. Hey, yeah, no problem. Uh, glad to be here. We uh, we put our uh, our first week in the books and just started week two and just got off the air a couple hours ago. Yeah, I was going to say that. You just started up last week, your co-host Aaron Coscalarian. Uh, how has your transition to NFL AM been for you one week in the books? I'm sure it was quite a transition. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's different, you know, getting up and coming to work in the middle of the night. Uh, <laughs> At least that, that's how it is over here. You know, we live, uh, we're in we're in Los Angeles. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I found a little rhythm for myself. You know, I try to go to sleep around 2 o'clock in the afternoon Pacific time. You know, wake up around 8.30, get a little workout in, you know, and then I'm, in, I'm into work. I'm at the studio by 11.30 and we're on the air by 3 a.m. So 
um, it's uh, it's all about finding a little rhythm, and um, and I'm I'm working on that now. Yeah, you must have to switch up your uh, whole kind of lifestyle. I'm sure that wasn't your yeah, prior it does, to it. it does flip it around a little bit for sure. So uh, before moving into your role on NFL AM, you covered all four Boston teams for the past five years on WHDH Boston, and I'm sure, sure you, did. I'm sure you kept a close eye on the Patriots this off season as well as you've been covering them previously. Oh yeah. But um, with a close eye on the Patriots this offseason, what have you thought of some of their moves? And were you surprised at them going with Jimmy Garoppolo so high in the draft? Well, you know, I, I'm not necessarily surprised because I've seen Bill do it before. He did it with Ryan Mallett a few years ago, drafting him in the third round. You know, a guy who he said was the number one quarterback on his board at the time. Um, I'm guessing they felt uh, in a similar way about Garoppolo in the second round. You know, I... I have no hesitation in saying I think this team had bigger needs. I think, uh, you know, a second-round player is a guy who could make an impact immediately, and we know Garoppolo won't do that, um, at least not this year or next year or maybe the year after. I mean, Tom Brady says he wants to play until he's 40, so uh, he'll be 37 on August 3rd. But uh, outside of the draft, um, I thought they did well in going after Darrell Rivas, getting the best corner in the game or the second best corner in the game, depending on if you're asking Richard Sherman. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think that the addition of, of Revis and, and maybe Brandon Browner on the other side will maybe allow Bill Belichick to kind of do some more things on, on defense, maybe get a little more creative with what he does up front with the guys and having that confidence that he does now in, in the back of his defense. Yeah, and I think Collins in there too came in, you know, he really improved as the season yeah. on last year. But you mentioned there, one of the reasons I asked about Jimmy Garoppolo is when you look at they took in Darrell Revis, you know, and the kind of that's a win now move. You want to improve the defense instantly for Tom Brady, and then you take in possibly Tom Brady's successor. It's just a strange move overall. Do you think? A little bit, a little bit, unless they truly view Garoppolo as the heir apparent to Tom Brady. And look, I think if if Garoppolo doesn't play for four years, then that's the Patriots are going to be as happy as they could be because that means Tom Brady has stayed healthy and effective for the next four years. But I think they view him as a guy who could lead this franchise. Otherwise, why do you take him in the second round? You know, you don't, and, and honestly, this is going to be really interesting to see how it plays out in training camp. The Patriots have not carried three quarterbacks on the active roster in years. And so in my mind, it's a true battle between Ryan Mallett and Jimmy Garoppolo for that backup spot. And, you know, maybe he, maybe Bill goes a different way and keeps a third quarterback this year. But if he doesn't, I'd say Ryan Mallett's on the hot seat. Yeah, that was my next question. Just when you mentioned Ryan Mallett, was do you think Ryan Mallett will end up getting a trade? You know, we've heard Houston, you know, and the mix maybe talked about. But do you think uh, Mallett might right. be moved away? I think it's going to depend on how training camp shakes out for some other teams. If there is a major injury at quarterback, I think teams will come calling on Ryan Mallett again. Um, I think if there's, um, you know, if there's a battle, a quarterback battle going on that just doesn't go the way a team would like it to go, I think teams will come calling on Ryan Mallett. I think it speaks volumes, though, perhaps on his ability, uh, that Bill O'Brien down in Houston did not, well, he may have made an attempt, but didn't pull the trigger and make it happen to get Ryan Mallett from New England to Houston. The Texans decided to go with Ryan Fitzpatrick a journeyman starter who's never really found a permanent home. And they decided to go with him instead of a guy who Bill O'Brien, who was the offensive coordinator in New England for a few years, had intimate knowledge of. 
He knew everything about Ryan Mallett. Yeah. Had him in his quarterback meetings for years, yet still didn't pull the trigger there. A team that in Houston that needed a quarterback. So that either says that Bill, Belichick, Bill Belichick was asking too much for Ryan Mallett or that Bill O'Brien just didn't think he was that great of a player. And we all know that uh, you're on NFL AM now, but I'm just interested to find out where your love off the NFL started. Your father was a trainer with the Saints for over 30 years, up until the year 2000, and I read that you were around the team a lot uh, at that time when he was a trainer. Is that where it all began yeah. for you? Yeah, that's that's kind of where it, all, where it all began for me, you know, getting to hang out with my dad in the training room and, and kind of just seeing, you know, the day-to-day life of an NFL player and, and the way that, you know, the day-to-day life of what my dad had to do every day, you know, working 18 hours a day and, you know, being around those guys. And, and it just, it was, it really was like a, it was magnetic. Like I, I was immediately drawn to it. And, and that's all I ever wanted to do was actually be a player. But um, I did play a little bit in college, but my, my hamstrings told me that I, I wasn't ready for the NFL. <laughs> so um, I, uh, I obliged and got as close as I could by, by being here in the media. And uh, it's been really cool for me, um, you know, because uh, the teams that I have, I've covered in the last few years have intersected with my dad's team. So, you know, I'll be covering a game that he's working, which is kind of neat. And, uh, you know, actually we had a guest on our show today, uh, Lorenzo Neal, was a great fullback in the league for the longest time, 16 yeah. years in the league. And uh, he was a saint for four years. And I was like, hey, Lorenzo, man, I met you when I was 10 years old in the, in the Saints, at the Saints training facility in Metairie, Louisiana. And he was like, oh, my gosh. And we, you know, talked and talked about it. So, yeah, absolutely. My dad's background and, and his his job and the way he's gone through the league has definitely uh, had an impact on me. Yeah, it's pretty cool the way you met up with him uh, today on the show. And I'm sure that'll not be the last right? time that happens. Isn't that neat? Yeah, it's neat. I bet you'll not yeah. be the last time it happens either in the, in the coming years on the show. But... Uh, your father, I read, was a big friend as well with his time down there with Archie Manning, and I've read where uh, you yeah. used to be involved in the Manning Passing Academy. Uh, is that where the friendship with both Eli and Peyton would have developed from? It, it, it is uh, a little bit, but uh, Archie was actually the you know the father. Archie was my dad's best man in his wedding, was quarterback oh, for okay. the Saints for a long time, and became one of my dad's uh, closest friends. And they've stayed in touch ever since, and uh, so... I was a little, I'm a little closer in age to Eli, uh, more so than Peyton. And so, uh, Eli and I played against each other in high school. Uh, we, our two high schools were actually rivals. And so, um, you know, we beat up on them pretty good, uh, back in the day. No, nah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Actually, uh, they, they had our number every time. I mean, when you got the best quarterback in the country, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's tough to beat them, but yeah, that's kind of where we kind of grew up together in a way. And, and have stayed in touch and stayed connected through the camp, through the passing camp. Yeah, so uh, I read that you were a counselor at one stage, and is that something that you're still involved in? Or I was down there this year. I was there this year. This was my 17th year at the wow. camp. This is the camp's 19th year. I was there five years as a camper, 8th through 12th grade, and then started coming back on staff uh, when I was a freshman in college, and I've just stayed on ever since. You're like a stalwart of the camp then? Yeah, yeah, one of the old veterans. <laughs> so just a question on each of the guys. You know, sure. um, everyone talks about Peyton, obviously, in a season last year, but Eli then had kind of the opposite of a season. But fortunately on Peyton, it had a phenomenal season. He broke many records. But were you in New York for the Super Bowl, and how do you think he'll respond this upcoming season? Yeah, I wasn't there. I wasn't in New York, but obviously watched uh, the yeah. whole thing unfold there. And You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough... This is a tough league, and it will 
it will embarrass you at times. Um, it will glorify you at times, and you saw that on both ends of the spectrum, yeah. uh, the Seahawks defense and the and the Broncos offense. And, um, you know, we, we were talking about on NFL AM today that uh, the Broncos offensive coordinator, Adam Gase, on the day before they broke for final vacation in the offseason, he made the entire offense sit down and watch the Super Bowl and and watch the first half of that game and relive that. That's going to be stuck so in their heads, man. Right, and so that has stuck with those guys all the way through, and will until they get to training camp, and they will be hungry to get yeah. that taste out of their mouth. I have no doubt. And honestly, I would not be surprised to see a rematch of the Super Bowl. I would not be surprised in the least to see the Broncos and Seahawks back at it again. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure maybe Peyton's numbers won't be as good as they were last season, but uh, I'm sure they'll still be pretty. Yeah, yeah. But I, I would I would bet on it. Eli's numbers then, on the other hand, did you know some down to misplaced passing and some down to wide receivers running wrong routes and so on. He said surgery. Sure. Then this, he had surgery then this off season, but there's been such a amount of changes on the offense for the Giants this season. They lost to Keem Nix, but then the Victor Cruz should be 100 percent healthy. They've taken in some players in the draft, but what do you think will uh, be the story for them and the Giants this year? I'm sure they're hoping to bounce back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, they've got a new offensive coordinator in Ben McAdoo installing a new offensive system for Eli and the gang. And, uh, you know, Eli was telling me at the camp that, that McAdoo has been in their quarterback meetings every day this off season that they've had meetings. The offensive coordinator has been in the quarterback room trying to make sure that Eli has full command of this offense when they get going here at training camp. And, um, you know, it's going to be different. But Eli's also said that this has re-energized him. Uh, this change, you know, this change in, in atmosphere and attitude a little bit and, and certainly in, in style and, and, and it's going to be different to see them. They'll be calling plays a different way and he'll have to get used to a different voice in his ear. But uh, th- I think this will benefit the Giants. I think Odell Beckham Jr. in the draft, getting him in the first round uh, and kind of, pair, you know, making a nice trio there with Ruben Randall, who's now going into his third year, Victor Cruz, who's obviously a, a uh, a very well-established veteran and the number one receiving option on that team. So they've got some options there and some weapons. They need somebody to step up at tight end, and they need to stay healthy at running back. That didn't happen for them last year, but now they've got Rashad Jennings and drafted Andre Williams out of BC, the 2,000-yard rusher uh, in college last year. So they've got some options and some tools Eli has at his disposal here when they get going. They also need Jason Pierre-Paul to return to the 2012 Jason Pierre-Paul. He was injured. Uh, a lot and is such an explosive player on the edge uh, for that defense that you know they've lost some guys. Yeah. Um, Justin Tuck no longer there, but uh, JPP getting him back and, and kind of filling the leadership void with Justin Tuck gone, I think will will definitely be something to keep an eye on uh, in Giants training camp as we look at that defense. But offensively, they've got the tools. It's just about Eli taking care of the football and throwing it to the guys wearing uh, blue and red. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned JPP there. I was over, I'm a Packers fan, I was over in New York last year to watch them play the Giants, and that was arguably the best game he had oh, yeah. last season. And he, he, well, it was actually Scott Tolzien was a quarterback in that game, but he picked him off. For oh, a, a he, pick he six. picked off that pass. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, uh, serious athleticism, but uh, it wasn't one that I enjoyed watching now as a Packers fan. But I was, bet. <laughs> but uh, I just want to thank you for coming on to talk to us, Rhett. Um, for yeah. the listeners, you can find you on Twitter. It's at RhettNFL. It's R-H-E-T-T-N-F-L. And you'll find him on NFL AM, which is at NFL underscore AM. And that's every weekday, Eastern time from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. But 
Uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you, and I just want to say great yeah. job so far on the show, and looking forward to seeing you. Thank you. Keep going in the in the next few weeks, months, and into the years, and hopefully have you on the show down the line again. Thank you. Yeah, we'd love to be back. Thanks for having me. Hi, this is former NFL offensive lineman Ross Tucker, the host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, and you are listening to the Overtime Ireland Podcast. That was Rhett Lewis off NFL AM. You can check them out weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern on the NFL Network, and it's quite a good time for anyone over here in Ireland or the UK, throughout Europe, to get your fix of NFL, because with the time difference, Eastern Time, five hours behind us, that there will be going out at about 11 a.m. here, so... If you've got the NFL Network, be sure and check that out. It'll be 11 a.m. here till 3 p.m. So get some prime NFL talk on your iPad TV, whatever you watch the NFL Network on. So be sure and check that out and check out Rhett on Twitter. It's at RhettNFL, and that is R-H-E-T-T-N-F-L. So, DJ, that was the first red zone out of the way. Another one coming up towards the end of the show. But let's get it now to the NFL News. NFL News. Yeah, Colin, we're going to start off this week's NFL news with a topic that we finished last week's podcast on. Now it's the likelihood of Jimmy Graham signing a new deal with the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, DJ, I think you really hit this one on the head. And I said that you might have been, been a bit too soon on you know how quick the contract will be done. But you presume that it will be done before today's show. So congratulations to you on pointing that out. Yeah, and Jimmy Graham, as a lot of NFL players and celebrities tend to do now when they have any news broke. The news on Twitter saying it's official. I'm bleeding black and gold this morning. Thank you, Houdat Nation, for all the support. Houdat. First of all, I would say Jimmy Graham might want to get his bloods checked if he's bleeding black and gold. But <laughs> obviously, that's a nod to the New Orleans Saints fans. And I'm sure he was quite a happy man signing a four year deal, 40 million contract. Yeah, it makes him the highest paid tight end DJ in the league now, going over Rob Gronkowski's deal. But, you know, uh, it's a four-year deal, so he'll still be, hopefully, in the prime of his career when he gets a chance to make an extension. So he might get another big payday out of this yet. But, you know, he didn't want to go on the franchise tag, and it works out a little bit better for him over the next three to four years on this contract. But I think here the New Orleans Saints have also got a good deal. You know, they didn't want to pay him as a wide receiver. They won that grievance, and... This is the kind of money we talked about, DJ, that $9.5-$10 million a year price range. And I think the Saints will be happy with this deal as well. And both parties kind of gave a little and took a little to get this deal done. But I'm sure Jimmy Graham is happy now to just focus on the upcoming season and hopefully doing his thing on the field. And the one-man DJ that I'm sure is absolutely delighted with this, and that is Drew Brees off the Saints. And, you know, this here will make them a better team. There's no doubt about it. I don't think he was going to hold out this season, but this here just puts uh, any of those doubts of that to bed and... We can now move into the season, and I'm sure the New Orleans Saints fans, and particularly the ones listening to the podcast, will be delighted with that news. So, good news there for the New Orleans Saints, and moving into this season, we'll be looking at fantasy football in the coming weeks. No doubt about it, Jimmy Graham will be probably the first tight end taken in every draft uh, coming up this year. There'll be a lot of people very happy with this news, and as you say, Colin, Jimmy Graham is in the top two or top three tight ends in the NFL well, DJ, when we're looking at top, you know, top of the rankings, you can put quarterbacks into tiers, you can put every position into tiers. And I think, though, when you're looking at the tight ends, if you get Jimmy Graham and Rob Gronkowski both 100% healthy for a season, I think that there's the two at the top. And then you're looking at Vernon Davis maybe in the level below. And, you know, there's some up-and-comers, the likes of Julius Thomas and Jordan Cameron. But, you know, I think uh, when you're looking there, you'll be a big fan of Rob Gronkowski, obviously being a Patriots fan. But I think him and Graham are above the rest of them. But 
very neck and neck and everyone's going to have their favourites. I'm sure you'll go for the Gronkowski role, but just to be the difference maker, I'm going to go with Jimmy Graham. And if you look at the, the switch up from him going from a college basketball player moving into the college game at football level in the senior year and then getting drafted into the NFL and what he has done, quite an achievement for him. And now this big contract will justify every, everything he's done in his career and I'm sure he's going to look to even get better because he's actually not playing the game that long overall when you look at him making the switch from basketball to football quite late in his college life. So I'm just going to say, DJ, that I'll give Jimmy Graham the edge in the NFL's top wide receiver. I'm sure you're going to come back with a disagreement. I think consistently Jimmy Graham's probably the better tight end than Rob Gronkowski, but that's because Rob Gronkowski's been injured a lot, I think, if the two are fully fit, and hopefully both will be fully fit in the upcoming season it might make it more a bit more competition to see who actually is the best tight end currently in the NFL yeah I'd agree with you DJ on the fact that Gronkowski the last two seasons has had quite a bit of injury trouble seen him with the broken arm then he had the back surgery last off season and then he had the knee injury when he came back last year just to end the season again and he's had a lot of trouble over the last two years but if you look at prior to that when the Patriots were going really strong with him and I know a lot of people don't like to talk about him anymore but Aaron Hernandez la, 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 la. <laughs> when the two of them were going really well together DJ you know uh, Gronkowski was playing at the the top level we've seen him playing and he's only in the league a few years too so we've seen then Graham develop on it an injury last season with his foot and unfortunately that slowed him down towards the end of the season but both of them no doubt about it talented tight ends and I'm looking forward to seeing them hopefully both 100% healthy this year and hopefully doing their thing on the NFL field because no doubt about it they are at the top end of that position in the NFL and a player coming to the end of his NFL career and that's New York Giants guard Chris Snee the four-time pro bowler and one-time first-team all-pro has had a number of injuries in recent years and has finally decided to call it a day yeah when he came into the league DJ a lot of people might know this but he's actually married to Tom Coughlin's daughter Tom Coughlin's grandchild or is actually his son and you know a lot of people were saying oh this was why he was drafted when he came into the league but 10 years later he's one of the best draft picks that Tom Coughlin ever made in his time with the New York Giants and you know he's had a had a very talented career but he announced his retirement on Monday so a big blow here for the Giants but over the last few years DJ as you mentioned he's had a number of hip surgeries and elbow surgeries and you know it's just uh, building up and building up and I guess he just no longer thinks that he can get his body into the shape that he needs to play in the NFL so He's been trying to make comebacks the last few years, but looks now like he has stepped away from the game, and the Giants will be looking now to cement a, a permanent replacement for that position for them. In column, as we move closer to the NFL training camps, one player that's not going to be part of training camp activities this year is Marcel Darius of the Buffalo Bills. They've placed him on the active-slash-non-football injury list. Yeah, did you disappointing here too, because... He is a you know he's a talented player, but he's had his issues off the field uh, this off season in particular, and you know it looked like he was still going to get a chance with the Bills this year, but failed the conditioning test, and now is not going to be part of the upcoming training camp for them. So his you know position remains to be seen for the upcoming season. I mean you know the Bills are going to need as many people on that defense as possible to step up to the plate, and he's in the opposite. I guess DJ will say stepping up to the plate and. With Kiki Alonso being down injured and missing the season, they're going to have to, you know, get him back in the fold eventually. But but it likely won't be a few weeks into the season now after this latest news on or this latest news coming out of Buffalo. And Colin, continuing along the theme of NFL training camps, and Greg Rosenthal of NFL.com wrote an interesting piece over the last week about veterans on the roster bubble 
going into this year's training camp and top of the list is Sidney Rice who signed a five-year $41 million contract with the Seattle Seahawks just three seasons ago and is now fighting to make the Seahawks team in this year's training camp. Yeah, DJ was cut at the start of the off-season and he was released in February after the Super Bowl win but they re-signed him then in April, got him in a low-cost deal and there's only 150000 guaranteed on that contract, so you know it's not going to cost them much in the grand scheme of things to release him. He's coming off that torn ACL from last year, and the initial kind of projections for the season doesn't really include Rice. And I was reading that article myself, DJ, and some of the other pieces that are involved in it is Jarvis Green-Ellis, you know, the law firm up there in Cincinnati. Giovanni Bernard came in last year and split the carries with him. Bernard's showing that he is a dy- dynamic playmaker and big things expected of him this year. Such big things, DJ, that he was drafted by Overtime Ireland in the OTI Dynasty League. But <laughs> Jeremy Hill was drafted then this season uh, in the draft and it looks like he's the ready-made replacement for Jarvis Green-Ellis. So we'll see how Green-Ellis does. But he's been on the bubble. He was on the bubble last year too and he made the final roster. But there's a lot of pressure on him this year to make it. But, you know, the thing might save him, DJ, that he is very experienced as a special teamer and you know experienced special teamers can add a lot to the special teams phase of the play which is sometimes forgot about so maybe that'll save Ben Jarvis up there in Cincinnati another few players DJ on the list and one you know that is in quite significant trouble is no Sean Marino signed with the Miami Dolphins this year moved in after a season with the Denver Broncos but no Sean Marino got one and a quarter million guaranteed when he signed uh, so you know what you'll expect with that sort of money that he'll still make the roster but you know, he showed up out of shape, then he had a surgery and, you know, these things can go downhill very quick and snowball completely out of control. So, no, Sean Marino went in there, I'm sure, expecting to be the starting back for them. But at this stage now, he is well and truly on the bubble down there in Miami. I think he'll make the team with that guaranteed roster bonus, but you never know. Stranger things have happened in the NFL and very, very bad off-season so far for no Sean Marino. Calm, the fact that he showed up to out-of-season workouts, out-of-shape is quite disgraceful to say the least in my opinion I'm sure there'll be people that will agree with me and disagree with me but when the man's guaranteed 1.25 million dollars he should be turning up in shape and fighting for his place on the team yeah maybe he needs a little bit overconfidence maybe coming off that season with the Broncos and a lot of people have been talking about possibly it is down to Peyton Manning that he had that season maybe it's not as much down to his ability as it is you know less players in the box trying to stop the run when you've Peyton Manning throwing to all the weapons on the outside so it is um it's one that we're going to have to look at as we go forward but turning up to training camp out of safety is just not something new in the NFL but we always talk about training camps uh, with a new collective bargain agreement have been shortened uh, less time for drills and so on so but one of the main points is that is people always say the players stay in shape all year round that they don't get out of shape that when they come into training camp they're ready to rock and roll and they don't need the extra fitness work but obviously there's an issue here with no Sean Marino that he's coming out of shape whether it be that he had a nagging injury that now he's had the surgery to try and rectify or what that he just wasn't in top physical shape but you think when you're coming into the NFL you're getting that big money you want to impress and get in the team but DJ I guess when this other way of looking at it people talked about Jadavion Clowney in the draft and when he got the money would he continue to work hard that will be left to the future to be seen but we're looking out, no Sean Reno, maybe he thought, right, I have a million dollars in the bank here no matter what happens, and maybe he just decided, that's enough, I don't really need to put in any more work. So sometimes the people are working to get that big payday and set it out then from then on, DJ, so maybe that's the issue here with Marino, but we'll see if this surgery rectifies his knee issue, and maybe that there's the reason that he came in out of shape, but we'll see very shortly, I'm sure. And Colm, our final piece of NFL news for this week relates to the Minnesota Vikings, who suspended special teams coordinator 
Mike Prefer for Three Games Without Pay in response to an independent investigative report on Chris Cluey, his allegations. Yeah, friend of the podcast, Chris Cluey. You can follow him on Twitter as well, just when we're on him, DJ, at Chris Warcraft. The review found that Prefer did make a single homophobic statement to Cluey. The investigation also found that Chris Cluey was released for performance reasons as well as the distraction caused by his activism and not his actual viewpoints, which is quite a confusing statement in my opinion. I think the two were intrinsically linked, the distraction caused by his activism and his actual viewpoints. I think if he said, you know, go USA, that might be a distraction, but it's not going to, they're not going to say that it's his viewpoints that they disagree with. Yeah, and DJ, talking to Chris a number of times on the show, we've had the kind of backstory from this for quite some time, and I think looking at that statement, you said they're kind of both things are linked, and you think, you know, when they mention that uh, comment, or they mention that it was performance related and down to the distraction, I think that it's more down to the distraction. That's what Chris has said all along, that it was down to his off the field work rather than his performance on the field. If it was only performance, you could say, well, they've uh, cleared themselves of any wrongdoing, but then. For it to be both, and then for for the coach to get suspended for three games makes you know it look like Chris has been telling the truth all along, and three games might be a light enough um, ban for this. But then the report does say that it was just one instance. So again, maybe people think it's harsh, but all in all, I think that um, we probably haven't heard the last of this, DJ. And it's something that's even more in the spotlight now after the kind of thing last year with Jonathan Martin and everything going on down in Miami. So I think uh, this here could roll out a little bit longer. Yeah, I think it's certainly not the last we've heard of this situation and it will be interesting to see what comes from it from now on, whether Mike Prefer will be the only person involved in the Vikings organisation that's suspended, but hopefully it clears up any issues that may be lingering in the Vikings organisation. Indeed, with that now, that wraps up most of the news that we had to talk this week. It was another quiet news week, but you mentioned earlier DJ training camp starting up. The Bills started last week, actually last Friday, and, you know, really getting close to the season. And most of the teams now will be back within the next seven days. Kind of some teams dropping in each and every day this week, and into next week then we'll have all the teams back. So we're really, really hotting up towards the start of the season. We've talked about it each and every week, counting down the weeks, but... These weeks now are really going to fly in because we're going to have some preseason games. We're going to have a lot of talk about the NFL and lots of stuff going on. We'll be hearing, unfortunately, there will be injuries, but we'll be hearing about players maybe stepping up, maybe trying to get themselves into that wide receiver one, wide receiver two position. There'll be some training camp battles for positions and we'll see players getting cut, maybe picked up by other teams and so on. So a lot of stuff's going to be happening in the next few weeks. We've had a quiet few weeks there, DJ, off news, but we've kept it ticking over, I guess we'll say. But in the next few weeks, DJ, I'm sure it's all going to hot up, but... Got a few questions in on Twitter, DJ, from the listeners, so we're going to go into the OTI Q&A. OTI Q&A. Want your questions answered on the OTI podcast? Tweet the guys at Overtime Ireland or email OvertimeIreland at gmail.com. So, DJ, we picked out some of the questions on this week's OTI Q&A, and the first one ends from Tony Barnes, and he's wondering, why don't all colleges play a pro-style offense as it would help the players when entering the NFL? DJ, I guess the simple answer for that is the guys at college aren't too worried about the NFL. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think they're kind of playing a style that suits the conditions that they're playing in and the situations they find themselves in. And it's a bit like uh, when you look at teams around the NFL, a lot of teams playing different styles. And you mentioned there, DJ, kind of doing what you need to do to get the result. And you look around the league, some teams are more defensive 
minded. Some teams are more attack minded, and a lot of the time it's down to the personnel on either offense or defense. Is how the team is formed. The other thing is DJ. A lot of the actual pro teams are starting to look more at the college game and take things into the pro style game, such as maybe the fast paced offense. We've looked at Chip Kelly as a prime example. He came in. He done a lot of stuff in college. He's tried to get into the NFL, and I expect to see more of that this upcoming season from Chip Kelly down there in Philadelphia. I think. Uh, the two games are meshing more together than they've ever done before, but I think uh, the basic answer is that the college game is based on trying to get results at the college level to get them to the bowl games and so on, and not just about getting players ready for the National Football League. Obviously, some of the college players will go to the NFL, but the majority of players playing at the college level will never play down in the National Football League. So I guess uh, that there's kind of Tony, the way I would answer that question. But I think you'll see now in the coming months as the season goes on and into the coming seasons the nfl has started to look back a little bit more at the college game and a lot more passing in the nfl nowadays so they're looking at some of the advantages you can gain from picking little bits and pieces from the college game as well so you'll see a bit more of a kind of blend of the two games but i think it's more the nfl taking stuff from the college game rather than college taking it from the nfl game another question dj and that was from joe peking joe's from dublin ireland and we're also from ireland dj in case the listeners hadn't realised that. He's wondering, do you see Ryan Tannehill improving this year under a new offensive coach? Obviously, in Miami now, uh, had quite a good season last year and he developed quite well as the season went along and was starting to did you put a little bit of pressure on your Patriots there for that division, but all in all, in the end, they really fell away badly in those last number of games. They lost to the Patriots and really, really fell away. They only needed to win one of their last two games, I believe it was, DJ, to get in. They lost to the Bills, and I can't remember who the other game they lost to, but they had a very, very disappointing finish to the season after, you know, looking like they might make the playoffs. But I like some of the stuff Tannehill does. Quite impressive as a passer, but, you know, it's a developing learning experience as you move into the NFL, and all quarterbacks do find that out, and some pick it up quicker than others, and some develop just a little bit slowly. But he's, he's been steady, DJ, but um, I think we might see new offensive coordinator in if he picks up the playbook quickly should improve but I guess a lot has to do with that offensive line there in Miami as well and Mike Wallace last year didn't deliver on his big off-season contract that he got so maybe if he picks up maybe if the you know at times he was been overthrown at times he's been underthrown they just didn't have that proper rapport between the two of them but Charles Clay down there to a tight end I think there's some pieces there for him to improve but you, you see the the Miami Dolphins, DJ, quite a bit being in the same division as the Patriots. Do you think Tannehill can improve this year? This is a season that the Dolphins really need to improve. Ryan Tannehill was fairly decent last season, but he was let down by some of the players around him in the wide receiver positions and some other players in the offense. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I don't think they're going to close the gap to the Patriots, but they might make it a wee bit more interesting for the neutral. Yeah, at one stage, DJ, last year, I can distinctly remember you weren't thinking it was uh, very comfortable for the Patriots as the Dolphins were starting to pick up, and if they can improve this year, it could be a little bit tighter. The other thing, DJ, you'd have to say is the off-the-field distractions last year probably affected them a little bit, but as we move into this season now, they'll be hoping to put that all behind them and improve both on offense and defense, and Cameron Wake got injured last year, and he'll be hoping to get back straight into the fold and start to dominate in the NFL again. So, DJ, that wraps up the OTI Q&A for this week. Thanks again for you for sending the questions in. Keep sending them in. You can tweet them to us at Overtime Ireland. You can email them to us at overtimeireland at gmail.com, as we always say. Don't be afraid to send them in too early. We will save them. We can use them on the show. We'll use a couple each and every week just to keep things ticking over and answering some of your questions. 
So Deeds, that wraps up the OTI Q&A. Let's get into our second Red Zone guest this week. It is George O'Leary, head coach of the University of Central Florida. The OTI Red Zone, presented by OvertimeIreland.com. Joined now on the Overtime Ireland podcast by Coach George O'Leary of the University of Central Florida. He's the head coach over there, and they're coming over to play in the Crow Park Classic at the end of August. That's August 30th. Uh, they're playing Penn State in Crow Park. And uh, thanks for coming on to talk to us, Coach. Oh, that's no problem at all. Glad to help. Hey, you were over in Ireland a number of weeks back. I uh, hope you enjoyed your trip over here. Oh, I did. I've been over a couple of times, and we're really looking forward to the trip over to play the game. We start practice at the end of this month. Uh, and then basically we're coming over about five days early before the game to enjoy the city of Dublin and Ireland and uh, get ready for a great game on that Saturday, August 30th. And uh, just before we get into this upcoming game and, of course, this upcoming season, last season was a very successful season for you at UCF when you just won the Fiesta Bowl against Baylor at the end of the season. It was the most successful uh, season in the program's history. It must have been quite a journey. How was it to win that Fiesta Bowl? Well, it really was. It was a it's a BCS game, which is a big. There's only four of them in the country, as far as the states are concerned, and it's a great honor to play in one. But it's a bigger honor to win one, and uh, we had a, a very good team. And you know, we you know we lost that quarterback left. He was the third pick in the draft, the NFL draft this year. But we have a bunch of players returning from that game, and only lost really seven seniors that were that graduated. Everybody else is back that played last year. You mentioned there, Blake Bartles, third overall pick to the Jaguars this year. Um, you know, I had a number of questions in on Twitter to ask you about him. He was the MVP in that game last year, and he finished very strongly. Um, just a question we got in from Stevie Howland. He's wondering, how will Blake transition to the NFL, and have you con- any concerns about him making the transition? No, he left as a junior, so he still had a year left, but he went out early, and you know, the, you do you go through all these questionnaires and call different people to see if where he's at, and he was told he'd be a top 10 pick, so he went out and he was the third pick in the whole draft, but he's a very good athlete that has good size, and uh, he'll fit right into the structure at the, with the Jaguars, and it's like everyone else, I don't think any young quarterbacks are ready for that league, the speed of that league, but I think Blake will be fine-tuned, and they'll put him in when he's ready to go, and he'll be a great attribute for that program. Well, I'm sure Stevie will be happy with that answer as he is a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. But for you personally, how was it to work with Blake? And it it seemed like he skyrocketed up the draft boards towards the end. He he really did. He was a two-year starter for us. But I think from a year ago when we played the St. Petersburg Bowl a year before, I thought he really found himself. It looked like all those things started settling in and, I thought each game he played better. He could take a. He's like all the good uh, quarterbacks call him. He, he can take a bad play and make a good play out of it, which is, I think, the key to success in football. And he had that ability, and uh, there's no question that I think he did it this past year and made a lot of big plays in, in a lot of tough situations. But he's going to have a fine future for himself. And. Uh, Again, I know he's doing well up there right now as far as when they're getting ready to start camp in the NFL, but uh, I'll be I'll be interested to see how he does against the competition up there as far as he has all the things you're looking for, arm strength, poise, knowledge, you know, smartness on the field, you know, fieldmanship, and now he just needs to put it all together because that league's a very tough league to play in. Back to this season again, and obviously, you know, we're looking forward again. The coach always wants to look forward. Once that Fiesta Bowl finished, were you looking straight ahead to this upcoming season, or did you take a little bit of time off? 
No, we we got right back in. We start school in January here after the December game, uh, and we're right back uh, into winter conditioning and and the skill set that we have to develop as far as with the team back. And and right now we have about 120 players in summer school that are taking classes and involved in the weight programs and and skelly ball skill stuff of that sort and we're looking forward to the season we we should have a very solid football team and uh you know you're trying to come and kind of maybe repeat this year or maybe go a little bit higher up to one of the other bowls but how do you think uh, this season's going to go for you you know we've we've had you know it's funny everybody talks about this past season we were 12 and 1 but the, the three years before that we won 10 11 10 games so i mean we we've been double, double digit wins for a number of years but we have a good program, but every year is a new adventure, a new team, new chemistry, new leadership. So all that needs to be seen yet, but uh, we certainly have the ingredients to get all that done. Now we have to get it done on the field. You mentioned the double-digit wins the last number of seasons. It must be you know, quite a journey as well from your first season. You're there now over 10 years. Your first season was a 0-11 and record, and you've really turned yeah. the program around. It's, I, it's quite I call, I call it... I call it my perfect season. (laughs) (laughs) But no, we've come a long way, and the thing that we don't have, we don't have a long-standing tradition like Penn State. They've been playing for so long. We don't have that, but I think we've come a long way in a short period of time, and we'll just continue doing things we have to get done. I'm sure some of the roster, you know, that you've got sort of organized for this upcoming season, I'm sure some of the guys coming back from last year and then some of the guys coming in are excited for this game coming up in Crow Park, getting to travel across oh, the Atlantic and get play in a different environment. Oh, they really are. We we start practice, and the biggest problem we had was getting them all passports and making sure they can get on the plane and stuff. But, again, most of the kids from Florida and, and nearby Georgia, they haven't been outside that. So it would be a unique experience from heading over to Ireland and enjoying the, the great people in Ireland. You mentioned getting passports, and then that was another question I had just in regards to preparing for this game for you. You made the journey over a few weeks back. Um, you know, How has the preparation varied for this game compared to a regular season game for you at the college? Well, it really hasn't. You know, we'll we'll basically get everything done at home here before we come over, and then I'm treating it much like a bowl game where the the game plans in, and we're coming in to practice on that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday before we play Saturday. And uh, but the game plan would have been done, and I, I do want to make sure the team sees some of the sights of Dublin and Ireland, so that it's sort of a cultural trip too for us. Another question just in on Twitter was from Donica Brennan, and this is a question we've got a few weeks on the show now, and it's he's wondering anyone going to the game or just that are maybe picking up the college game for the first time this season, uh, why should they support the University of Central Florida? Why should they take your team and be another fan off off the university? Yeah, because of the name O'Leary. <laughs> <laughs> it blends in with but the no, I, I think exactly, but you know we're looking forward to it, and you know I, I think it's a. You know, there's no question that, you know, we're a big school, 60,000 students here and, and all that. And uh, there'll be a good number of fans over there from both sides and uh, Penn State and UCF. And, and I think that, uh, you know, the Irish basically will root for who they want. But we've been over, I've been over there twice now and I've met a bunch of people and stuff. And I, I think we'll have a big following over there. Yeah, the game's growing huge over here, and this is another big stepping stone. Obviously, 
London has had right. the, the Wembley games for the international series with the NFL and you know this is another stepping stone for maybe the game spreading into Ireland as there was a game in Dublin a few years back Navy played Notre Dame and it was a huge success for so this here's another chance in a huge stadium and hopefully it will be sold out and it looks like that at the moment that they'll be in around 70,000 maybe 80,000 people at it so it should be a great event and hopefully the crowd will really, really should be I've, I've had a number of coaches asking me how how we got it arranged and this and that because there's a there's a lot of interest in in uh, taking your teams overseas to play and and let let people that don't get a chance to see an American football game live see it so uh, I think the the Irish fans and uh, thoroughly enjoy it and and get a chance to see you know it's a little contrast to what they're used to with Irish football and, and uh, hurling and all those type things and coach you've been around the game a long long time I'm sure something you're still really enjoying one and that must have been a very enjoyable moment for you long time in the game well I've been coaching now for 46 years so I've been at this for a long time but you know you played the game then you come out you go to college you come through and and you basically come out and you're teaching and you start coaching and then you work your way through the ranks but it, it's a great game it's a you know as, as I say all 11 guys got to do the things right every play for it to be successful and it's just a it's a contact game which excites a lot of people that you know go to the game see it on TV and and people like contact and I, I think that's uh, you know I had the opportunity to go over and catch a couple of the Irish football games and I, I really enjoyed it from a standpoint of just athleticism and and realizing that they're all still amateurs and that's what we are we're amateurs as far as with football but uh, a little bigger a little bigger size <laughs> kids we're dealing with but. But I think it's something that you, you, there's so many things going on as far as a football game's concerned that it's something that you, you know, you, you have a great feel for it. And as I say, it's not work. You're getting paid to do something that you love to do. Yeah, and uh, it's really something that we're looking forward to here, and we're going to keep talking about it as the weeks come closer and closer, and hopefully maybe we'll get some of the UCF players on closer to the time, but I would like to take this opportunity to thank you a lot, George, for coming on to talk to us, and wish you every success as you just come over to Ireland and into the upcoming season. Well, I appreciate anything we can do to help over there. Just let my office know, and we'll do whatever we can do to help come. Hi, this is Harry Carson, former New York Giant and Pro Football Hall of Famer. You're listening to Overtime Ireland. Fantastic there, talking DJ to George O'Leary, the head coach over there at UCF. Be interesting, DJ, coming up to the Crow Park Classic. And if anyone wants more information on the Crow Park Classic, be sure you're following them on Twitter. It's at C-R-O-K-E-P-K Classic. That's Crow P-K Classic. Make sure you follow them for all the latest news, and you can get your tickets still on Ticketmaster. You get them through a number of different agencies, but you'll find it all there on that Crow Park Classic Twitter handle. DJ, he certainly seems excited about coming over to the game. He was over a few weeks ago, he mentioned, but interesting uh, to see them coming over and see how successful this game is. It sounds like it's going to be a huge success. A lot of people interested in it and a lot of talk about it. Yeah, Colin, really looking forward to the game and great to see some Americans playing Crow Park this year. It's not fi- it's not five nights, but it's going to be a great day and hopefully it'll be a great atmosphere at Crow Park for the game. Yeah, DJ, they're poking a little bit of fun at the recent controversy around the Gareth Brooks concerts were meant to go ahead of Crow Park but have been cancelled and any of the listeners that were due to go unfortunately uh, it was sad news and it isn't going ahead but maybe if you get your refund for that ticket you can go and buy yourself a ticket for this Crow Park Classic and it's going to be a lot of fun and it was interesting easy to talk to him too about Blake Bartles who is now down with the Jacksonville Jaguars and he was talking about how he thinks he will make that transition but maybe uh, as we've heard a few times the maybe the Jaguars will be better to sit him for a few games anyway if not the first season until he adjusts to the speed of the league. 
Income, one of the things I'm looking forward to is seeing some of the players playing in this year's game and ultimately seeing if they end up in the NFL in the 2015 season. Yeah, indeed, I'll be the first to admit that I'm not uh, a big watcher of the college game. I do watch the games from time to time, but on the majority of seasons, it's around the January-February time, DJ, just around the bowl games or after the bowl games where I start to look into it and you'll see the people coming towards the draft. The draft, obviously, this year in May and you had more time to look at the prospects coming into the league. But, you know, from this year now, watch this game early in the season. Maybe you get a little bit more hooked on the college game as well. You'll be following these players all the way through to the draft. So be sure and check that out as Penn State are facing University of Central Florida. I mentioned hope to get a few of the players from both sides on the show in the coming weeks. And so, DJ, that wraps up today's show. Uh, a lot of stuff been in it. We talked with Rhett Lewis at the start. We talked with George O'Leary there at the end. Be sure and follow Rhett on Twitter. It's at RhettNFL. That's R-H-E-T-T-N-F-L. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me. It's the Colum Kelly. You can find DJ on Twitter. Yeah, it's at DJ Kelly Frosses. F-R-O-S-S-E-S. I'm sure uh, you'll be really rushing out there to follow the two of us and fill yourself with boring tweets, mostly retweets of our Overtime Ireland Twitter handle, but... Be sure to get in t- contact with us, DJ, on Twitter. The best way to get us is at Overtime Ireland and get interacting with us on there. Great interaction over the last few weeks. We went over 2,400 followers this past week. Thank you again for your continued support. If it's your first time listening, hit the subscribe button. And if you're a long-time listener, thank you for your support as always. Look forward to getting you back here for next week's show where we'll be joined by former NFL wide receiver JJ Burden, played with the Chiefs. And also joining us, DJ, on next week's show, along with JJ, will be Jim Everett. Jim was a quarterback in the National Football League for 12 years and played with the LA Rams, the New Orleans Saints and the San Diego Chargers. And, and I have that interview already recorded, almost a half an hour with him, so I'm very excited to bring that to you guys next week, along with the interview I'll be doing with JJ Burden. So be sure and check back for that next Tuesday when the podcast goes live once again. So until then, I'm Colm. And I'm DJ. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.